way, man. Let me turn that down. Hey, baby, it's Coach O. I'm, uh, you know, hollering at y'all in the antelope, baby. I'm in testing out my new system. Got that, got that bass, you know what I'm saying? Rattling my, my license plate and everything. Because I am Coach O, bitch. What up, cause and cousettes? And bar and bar It's Coach Edo's around, baby. Coach O. Coach O. And I'm over here on that antelope. I want you boys and girls to listen to this here, uh, Anchor and all that. Make your podcast, boom. And, um, you know, I'm Coach O, bitch. Real happy about the medals of you Tigers, baby. I had a little pep talk with the team and with Neri. And I was like, look, boy, before you quit, you got to go give a rah-rah Coach O speech and tell them baseball players they got to whip some ass. And they went in there and they kicked ass, baby. They whipped Oregon's ass. Now they going to go over there and play the Rednecks, baby. Go Tigers. Because, you know, look, they ain't, they wasn't dead, baby. They, they, they survived. You know, you know, my Yankees need to do the same thing. Because I am Coach O, bitch. Take it sleazy. Go Tigers. Just quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 52, Too Close for Comfort. I'm your host, Danny Belts. This is going to be organized chaos. We're going all over the place today. Uh, oh, yeah. Kamala Harris is disgraced. The New Orleans police chief showed his nuts. I thought it was hilarious. Omar has lost her mind. We have Iranian ships trying to pull a uh, Cuban Missile Crisis right now. The Phoenix Suns pick-and-roll situation is extremely noteworthy. And the NBA playoffs without LeBron and Curry in general... I'm going to give examples of everything from Tom Brady to D-Day on Too Close for Comfort in particular to what's coming to the United States economy, and it is inevitable. Bro Exotic is on vacation. The Church of Woke took a retreat to San Francisco to recycle syringes to make renewable energy for bicycles. Can't make this stuff up. Tommy Bench is going to hammer Hunter Biden, who is just getting, this is getting to the point where, I mean, the, the media not reporting on what we're seeing now. Now it's the N-word, with a laptop, crack, <laughs> Tulane. Come on. This is absolutely ridiculous. And we're going to kick it off. I said organized chaos because we are going all over the place, but it will trend nicely. Had a few gaffes last week. Got a few texts. Yes, I know. I left some keywords out in the Florida, New York stats. I forgot to say 2021. Uh, some other things as well. I'm sure you caught them. Just going too fast. Too many things in my mind. My mind is clear today. So we're going to have smooth sailing, Danny Bells. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Check us out on Instagram at the Sports Antidote and follow me at Danny underscore Belts with a Z. Instagram continues to cuck. Now, there is no way we are losing followers with the posts that we are throwing out there. Up to 1,500, down to like 1,400. That's just ridiculous. Be sure and follow us if you're not. And be sure and rate, subscribe, and review wherever you can, particularly on iTunes, Apple, whatever. Camilla Harris, as you heard in the beginning, just can't get any more absurd. 
So somebody from the woke media finally throws her a curveball, and you can tell she had no, as you heard, no, she had no idea how to answer it. So she just, we haven't been to Europe. <laughs> you know, you have one job. The job that the President of the United States, President Biden, gave you was to go secure the border, you know, unload on this crisis, help relieve, but no, no, because they want it to happen. So it's happening. She's a disgrace. Even the White House roasted her ass. That's a, you know you've overstepped. I mean, this is a this is a woman that wasn't even popular in her own party. I mean, she had no she had nothing going on in the Democrat primary. Nothing. She was getting whipped by a little white snowflake from an irrelevant city in Indiana. Who was gay? She couldn't even. And you're a California senator. You should squash guys like that. But no, because she's so unlikable. The only reason she's even here is because she has a vagina and she's not white. And they, Biden even said that's what they're going to do. Which, that's not discrimination. That's, not e- that's equal opportunity, sure. Keep telling yourself that. And speaking of which, Sean Ferguson, the police chief of New Orleans, Democrat, black fella. The reason I say that is because he's had enough of all the white snowflake shenanigans happening around the country, particularly with the funding of the police. Now, New Orleans right now is a mess. It is a disaster. These are the facts there and disputed. This dude gets on the radio and says, we haven't had a jury trial since March of 2020. Have not had a jury trial. What? Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. No. This is absolutely ridiculous. In every way, shape, or form. Not a jury trial in almost 16 months. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. Yeah, I'm not making that stuff up. Jason Williams, the district attorney, is the worst district attorney that the state, excuse me, the city, or the state's seen in any city. The worst we've ever seen in the history of Louisiana. Maybe the, maybe the, the rest of the country. He has effectively reduced the police force to nearly nothing. Police, police morale is at an all-time low. You should have heard Ferguson. Cops quitting, cops not wanting to work. Juveniles getting arrested for violent crime, getting released. No trial. You got 17-year-old kids running around with automatic weapons, handguns, doesn't matter, pistols, people getting carjacked during the day, all of these things, and no one's getting prosecuted, and they know it. So he said the criminals become more, they get more bold as the cops lose morale. Lose, lose morale. This, is, this is crazy. Like what? You talk about too close for comfort? This is getting way too close for comfort, in my opinion. This is nuts. Keep moving here. So now we have Iranian ships moving into Venezuela and Cuba. And as you know, this is the same thing that the Russians tried to do with Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Somebody recently wrote an article comparing Joe Biden to JFK. LOL. That is absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I can't... I don't, I don't even know how to, how to go about that. Um... <laughs> Cuban Missile Crisis is kind of similar to what's happening here, except this is preliminary. hasn't quite come yet to fruition, and the Joe Biden administration has threatened and said, you don't want to do that. And Iran's basically like, what are you going to do about it? And basically, they're going to do nothing about it. So Iran's going to park their ships wherever they want. That's not a big deal. This is too close for comfort. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. We'll get more back into too close for comfort as we break into Danny Belt's main segment. Let's segue over. Let's pivot to the NBA playoffs. Isn't it amazing to have the NBA playoffs without LaWoke James and Steph Curry gnawing on his mouthpiece like a nutria? 
I think it's great. It's awesome. Two less Wokies. Perfect for me. And the underdog, somehow the Phoenix Suns with the second to best record in the NBA, look like an unstoppable rebel force. Chris Paul looks as good as he ever has. And that pick and roll they're running right now is very, it literally is unstoppable. If they play defense, like they held Denver to under 100 points yesterday. That game was over in the second quarter. If they play defense like they are now, no one will be near this team. The Nets will destroy them. Or excuse me, they'll get destroyed by the Nets. But the Nets will just get destroyed by the Nets. <laughs> they will destroy the Nets. No one can stop this pick and roll. It reminds me of the Utah Jazz, how they used to do it, except this is way more fluid. It's way more uh, diverse, especially when you have guys like Booker who can basically play from 30 feet from the rim and you have Ayton, DeAndre Ayton at the top with Crowder. And when you run this pick and roll with a guy that can bomb, unlike Jeff Hornacek for the Utah Jazz, Booker can really, uh, he can move. You make it an unstoppable option to run because Chris Paul, when he gets the pick, he can go left or right. He's almost better with his left hand. He can hit you with that floater if you sag. If you switch, he'll throw out to Booker for an open three. And if you go with it, you'll get caught in the pick, and he has his choice to go ahead and bounce pass it between someone's legs to Aiden or Crowder for an M1 dunk or an easy layup. It is like watching. It's, 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 magis- it's magical. It's, it's incredible. And I, I, I hope Phoenix wins the whole goddamn thing. I think it's great. Monty Williams reuniting with Paul. I said that a couple episodes ago. But this is awesome. It really is. So if you haven't watched, if you want to watch one team, Play defense and play true basketball. You want your kids to actually watch the NBA and learn something. Have them watch the Phoenix Suns, who slap the floor and play defense on every single possession and maximize every single offensive possession, and they do it like a beautiful soliloquy of just magnificence. I hope Phoenix runs the table and wins the whole thing. Before we get into LSU, it's funny too. Someone did ask me to get back to 90% sports, 10% current events when right now we're, we're running about 30% sports, if that. Uh, I do have something for you. Uh, let me go back to Alec Baldwin here from Glengarry Glen Ross. This is just for you, pal. You don't like it, leave. Don't cuck me, pal. Ain't happening. If you didn't know, LSU is right now pulling off the impossible. Once again, the College Baseball World Series is structured the postseason and 16 regionals consisting of four teams at 16 different locations. And you come out of that regional, you're going to have to go to a super regional where you're going to have to play a really good team and beat them two out of three times, probably on the road, because only eight teams will hold that honor to host a super regional. LSU, once again, gets sent to Oregon. <laughs> they love sending us to Oregon, whether it's the Beavers or the Ducks. And LSU lost their first game, which basically is a death sentence, because now you have to win out. And that is virtually impossible. You will exhaust pitching. You will not win. But they somehow did. They lost their first game to Gonzaga, which is what I just said. It's impossible to get out. Then they sneaked by Central Connecticut in like the 10th inning, in which a game they probably should have lost, but they didn't. Then they play Gonzaga again, and they beat them. And then the same day they beat Gonzaga, they have to play Oregon. And they beat Oregon. Then they have to play Oregon again the next day, and they grind it out and won in Eugene. Unbelievable. Fly across the whole country, lose the first game. Paul Maneri's announced his retirement, but he's keeping the party going. I don't understand how. Unbelievable. Now they're taking that party to Tennessee for the best of three to go to Omaha. This is extremely interesting. Omaha is rooting 
for LSU. I've been to the College World Series more times than I can count on one hand. We have a big Nebraska contingency listening to this show, and uh, it affects the NASDAQ literally in Omaha. LSU, when they're not there, brings 10,000. When they go, they'll bring the whole party. Six figures, they'll show up. Hundred th- tens of thousands will show up and dump money into their local economy. Trust me, they are rooting for, and they, Tennessee travels well, but no one, in, no one in LSU, no one in the world travels in the country, travels like the LSU baseball, respectively, in the baseball world. Uh, they just don't. It is the pinnacle of college baseball, and it has been for the last 20 years. These are the facts, and they are indisputable. If you didn't know what's going on right now, getting back to the premise of too close for comfort, right now there is a massive mayor election on brewing in New York City. You may think that has, well, who cares? It has nothing to do with us. Yes, it does. Indirectly, it does. And we need somebody in particular to be elected there that's not an insane leftist. And there is a long list of wildly crazy people wanting to be mayor. Not even, and not even Yang who obviously is just out nuts, carpetbagger, basically. What the hell is he doing in New York now? He's the new Hillary Clinton running for senator. Wait, I thought you lived... Wait, where'd you come from? Oh, you're a New York resident. Amazing. Look, Houdini. Poof, man. Rabbit out of the hat. Incredible. Of course, AOC's endorsed Maya Wiley, who is insane. The senior vice president of social justice and professor of urban, po- and professor of urban policy... At the new new school resume of high points. That is so woke. That's woker than Bro Exotic's pansexual dance theory at Columbia. That has nothing on that. What a mouthful. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be great. <laughs> new York is already in shambles. One of the greatest cities in the world now is unvisitable. Their tourism is suffering worse than New Orleans right now. Who wants to go to New York? There's no cops. You get cracked in the middle of the day. You get mugged. You get shot in the middle of the day. You get shot at night. You get raped. The New York Times doesn't report any of it. It's the most dangerous city right now next to Chicago. It's more dangerous than New Orleans. That's a massive statement. It's more dangerous than Philadelphia. That's an even bigger statement. We'll get to that right after this. Eric Adams is running for the mayorship of New York, New York City. He was a cop for 22 years, NYPD. This is, he's a Democrat, okay? He's a normal liberal Democrat, but this is how far left the crazy lefties have gone. It looks like he's a Republican, and they're attacking him for supporting the police. That's how crazy this other side is. They're insane. They, it knows no bounds. I keep saying it. Drinks the rivers dry, eats the, field, eats the fields clean like locusts. It's, it's nuts. This is getting too close for comfort. If Eric Adams doesn't win, you're going to get de Blasio 7.0 on steroids with this chick, who is a front runner right now, who's campaigning on getting rid of the police. Defund, how about just get rid of them? These people are insane. How can you side with this? I have a lot of liberal Democrats from all over the country listening to this show. Are you about this action? This is too close for comfort in New York. This is ridiculous. This guy, Eric Adams, needs to get in there, and I'm going to donate. I'm going to give him 500 bucks. I'm not joking. He has to win. In order to restore law and order, literally, in that city, a guy like that has to get in. He's running on beefing up the police and safety, which resonates to most people. That's why we moved where I moved out of New Orleans, because it just wasn't safe. We need him to win. Point blank. Just has to happen. Has to happen. I mean, you even got Ilian Omar over here. I forgot to talk about this, but since we're talking about AOC... 
will hit on Omar, who just recently compared the United States to Hamas. Basically, she said the atrocities committed by the United States, Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. Any core American values, they just want to strip down. They are void of any morality. She's comparing Israel and the United States to terrorists. This is getting way too close for comfort to have her come back in office and be reelected. This is nuts. What are you thinking, Minnesota? Oh, I understand she's in a woke Somalia industry. I don't care. This is treason. The United States and Afghanistan? Go sit on a cucumber. Philadelphia's district attorney. This is was way too close for comfort, but Philadelphia wanted it. Now they got it. They got it. And I tell you, it's bad in Philadelphia right now. It's horrible. The mayors get a lot of the blame, and they should, but the DAs kind of don't get enough. This was too close for comfort, but it's over now because they voted him back in. Larry Kranzner openly took money from George Soros. This was open. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported he took money from George Soros in 2017. So now a guy named Carlos Vega, a Democrat, liberal Democrat, runs but backed by the police force and gets slaughtered. So now you have this idiot back in who's pro-criminal. Let me, let me, let me repeat that. Pro-criminal. He, he basically gives the process. He cripples the Philadelphia prosecution. Cripples it. He's all about getting criminals back on the street, sanctuary city, crimes out of control. Philadelphia is just a little less than New York right now. Another tourist city, technically. Who do, why would you want to go to Philadelphia? This guy is insane. This is what the far left is. And Philadelphia just puts him right back in. It was too close for comfort, too close for comfort, and now it's right in front of your face. It is unbelievable. Now, too close for comfort isn't just in all my rants on politics, even though what I've said is pretty close to not really my opinion. It's pretty objective. It is insane. I know most would agree. I just don't understand. I haven't met one person yet that wants to defund the police. I really haven't. And if I do, then yeah, third prize is you're fired. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady selected 199th in 2001 in the NFL draft, come out of the fifth round. Probably the greatest quarterback ever, right? St. Louis, the Rams, were 198th, and they went with Matt Bowen. They were also contemplating taking Brady. It wouldn't have worked for Brady if he went there. None of this would have worked. The New Orleans Saints were 200th. Now, the Patriots were smashed in the middle there, sandwiched in. The Saints went with Sherrod Gideon, a wide receiver who wouldn't even play. But in that war room, in that war room, this is a fact. There was a guy, I can't find his name, but it's common knowledge to those who actually remember that. There was a guy in that Saints war room who was a Michigan guy who was like, this kid, I don't worry about his stupid dad bod. He can throw the football far. He's smart. Uh, We like him. We can take him right now. We need a quarterback. We have no quarterbacks. Our quarterbacks all start with Billy Joe, Billy Joe Tolliver, Billy Joe Overt, Uncle Fucky. All these people are relevant. Let's take this kid and see what can happen. What's the worst thing that can happen? You can't fall out of last place. Actually, the Saints just they had Aaron Brooks at the time. <laughs> That's right. But they still needed a quarterback that had no backup situation. I remember that. It's not that they were looking Brady to be a starter, but everybody needs a quarterback. And Haslett was like, oh, okay, nobody knows what's going on, Jim Haslett. But the Saints contemplated trading up for him and giving away nothing to get nothing because that's what Brady was looked at. Brady almost was a Saint and almost was a Ram. 
But instead, he went to the Patriots. We all know what happened. I brought it up again last week in a different story. Yes, he gets crushed. Last week, I said second to last game of the year, the second game of the year. Bledsoe gets killed nearly. Brady comes in. We know the rest. Well, in that situation, we'll fast forward. You talk about too close for comfort if you're Brady. If you're a Patriots fan and Tom Brady, this one was way too close for comfort. January 19th, 2002. C, NFL Rule 3, Section 22, Article 2, Note 2. Let me repeat that. C, NFL Rule 3, Section 22, Article 2, Note 2. What is that? That's the tuck rule. That's the tuck rule. Yeah. You remember what happened? Patriots were down a couple out of field goal range. It's snowing sideways, a complete whiteout against the best team in the NFL, the Oakland Raiders. Man, they were good. Jerry Rice running around. got Rich Gannon tearing it up, Philly boy. On the other side, Gruden, right, who would leave and then coach against that team the next year for Tampa in the Super Bowl. That was the easy money. How'd you not take Tampa in that situation? Are you kidding me? What a joke. Suck it, Callahan. And you ruined Nebraska's pro- program. One day you'll be white bitch of the week, but I got somebody way too, wait, 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 way too good for you. Wait, wait, wait. Anyway, Callahan's a cuck. That was free. Well, what's the point, Belts? Glad you asked. So, the tuck rule... You remember what happened. Brady fumbles. The refs come in and they cuck because of some stupid archaic new, some stupid archaic rule. Not even archaic, excuse me. Some rule that had slid in under the radar. They stayed huddled together for half an hour. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You got people over here freezing their ass off. Oakland flies across the country and they were favored in New England. That's how good this team is. Flying across the country to New England in the snow and you're still favored by a couple. Unbelievable. And they're favored by one and a half. And to the gamblers, that's huge. And I'll tell you why. Because everyone's going to just throw a teaser on the dog. And that's exactly what happened. Flooding teasers. Six-point teasers on the Patriots. You get them from one and a half to seven and a half. Now you get the dog at home. Brady, great story. Big win streak. Touchdown and a half. What a deal. What a steal. And everybody did. Including me. <laughs> but they should have lost the game. Raiders fall on the fumble. Refs talk about it. Give it back to New England. Vinatieri, we all know. You'd actually kick them another... Field goal a couple weeks later against the Rams for all the marbles. Now, if, if, too close for comfort, there was no tuck rule, here's what probably happens. If you didn't know, the Patriots had a guy behind the scenes, like the Saints have Jeff Ireland. Notice how the Saints started drafting extremely well when Jeff Ireland showed up as assistant GM. He will be the most sought-after general manager very shortly in the National Football League, period. Scott Paoli? Genius, was with them for about eight years, won them a ton of Super Bowls, the director and vice president of player personnel. He is the man behind the curtain, literally. And just like the tuck rule saved them, you know, it's the same thing. Like, don't tell me Des Bryant didn't catch that football versus the Packers. What are you talking about? Don't tell me it wasn't a fumble. Well, he didn't catch it and it was a fumble, apparently. The NFL continues to cuck. But they admit Paoli admits, admits that if they would have lost that game, they're not going to keep the band together. In other words, Kraft, who's very cheap, was not going to re-sign everyone at astronomical rates after winning a Super Bowl. If they lost, they were going to lose about nine players to that core team. 
particularly in the interior line on both sides. And that's what made the Patriots so good. They could run the football extremely effectively, and they could protect Tom Brady. On the flip side, they could get pressure on the quarterback with a base rush of four and drop seven. That's why they forced so many turnovers and didn't turn the ball over at all on the other end. You do that, and you can win a Super Bowl. That's how the Saints did. You lead the NFL in plus-minus takeaways to giveaways. The most important statistic in football next to third down conversion, defensive and offensive, that no one talks about. Big time statistic. You want to win games? Keep your offense on the field. You want to win games? Get their offense off the field. Very simple. Well, if that wouldn't have happened, they're breaking this thing up. And there probably is no dynasty. That's how close, that's how close that was for you Pats fans. And speaking of close, let's talk about in my wrap-up what was the most ultimate too close for comfort. June 6, 1944, D-Day. A sitting president of the United States, our president right now, did not mention D-Day earlier this week. And a nut job from MSNBC was disturbed. A lot of people were driving around in pickup trucks with American flags. Unbelievable. D-Day is one of the most important days, not just for this country, but for the free world, the whole world. But in order to, for that to happen, Literally, when I say too close for comfort, we had to hit like a 15-team parlay, and we did. And let me explain how. See, you got to go back to 1940. In the summer of 1940, the Battle of Britain. No one talks about the Battle of Britain. Well, I will, because if they would have lost that, there is no D-Day. And I'll tell you why. Because if we would have lost the Battle of Britain, and I didn't give those Brits, they held on, getting bombed like hell, day and night, they wouldn't let go. They fought and fought and fought, and the Germans finally left. Had that not happened, the United States would have no place, zero place to keep all their men and their battleships and their carriers, none. They'd have had to go across the Atlantic, which was swarming with German submarines like sharks in the Pacific. We would have lost 200 ships, tens of thousands of lives. So thank God they held on and won that, and there was an actual D-Day. Operation Overlord. One of the most unbelievable things in the history of of military tactics, period. But in order for us to invade Normandy, a lot had to happen behind the scenes, things that were just way too close for comfort. I always get this wrong. Padakali? Padakali? <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Who cares? It's French. Or is it? I don't know. Whatever. That is where the Germans thought we were going to invade, especially Hitler. Let me tell you why. See, the English were shifty. These Brits did a lot of stuff. The Brits were like part of the kitchen in a restaurant. They don't really get much the credit the waiters do. They get all the money while they make thirteen fifty an hour behind there sweating like pigs. Not to say that we were the waiters, but the Brits were cooking up a lot. And one thing they did cook up was a bunch of fake news. We had some of the best counterintelligence in the history of military warfare ever. We had counterintelligence... We had people feeding all the Nazis, SS, higher-ups with fake news. You know how much balls you have to have to be a, a double agent, particularly when you're giving information away and giving it to the Nazis, fake information? They would hang you upside down, cut your balls off, shove them up your mouth. You wish you'd die when they got you. Shit. Hang you with piano wire and decapitate slowly. That was their go-to. What a great way to die. No. All those guys had cyanide pills for a reason. They got you. You pop that molly real quick. Yeah. You go out like that. 
Pop in that disco biscuit. Party's over. But at least you don't have to get crucified. Overlord was absolutely insane. Not only did they feed all this false information that we were going to invade Padikali. I didn't say it right. They also built the Ghost Army. If you don't know what the Ghost Army is, Britain had England, in particular, had this certain method of faking out all the spy planes by ballooning tanks and planes. Google it. There's a picture of four men lifting up a tank because it's full of air. So they made a big fleet of tanks and a big fleet of fighter, fighter planes and a big fleet of bombers to make it look like America, the U.S., was stocking up over here and this is where the attack is coming. And Hitler refused to move that Panzer division to Normandy. He refused to because he was stubborn. And that's the problem with one man running the show. He didn't rely on his generals for anything. They were glorified order takers. Have to rely on what's going on. Eisenhower did. It worked. You should listen to General Patton, you cuck. Anyway, but he listened nonetheless. So, in essence, we faked them out. Big head fake right here. Fake news everywhere. And to get the Panzer Division down from the mountains, that's very logistically difficult. You know, like cliffs and mountains and tanks. No, tanks are made for flat terrain, not a bunch of crazy crap like that. So they kept the Panzer Division up there. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Hitler <clears throat> told his men the night before the big invasion, don't wake me up. This is a miracle. This is why it's so close for comfort. Here's the 15-team parlay. Don't wake me up. He pops a couple sedatives in and goes to sleep. He notoriously had problems sleeping. I would too. If that was on my conscience, the unbelievable stuff that he did anyway. So Hitler's out like a light. And the invasion in Normandy begins. So the counter, the counter information was, it worked. The fake army, fake news ghost army, it worked. All of this, even Hitler popping some pills, took some Tylenol PM, that worked. And they get news that the invasion has begun in Normandy. But they don't know. Wait, wait, is this fake... Is this the invasion or is it an invasion? There's a difference. Is it the or an? But they didn't know it was the invasion. Yes, the big one. Because you see, in order, what they did was Normandy was part of the, that was north. If you wanted to get to where we needed to be, you needed to do north. If you're going to do it south, you'd have to go through France and that'd be a disaster. Occupied France. We'll get to that in a second. This is why it was too close for comfort. So, Hitler... They're like, wake him up. And I'm not waking him up. You wake him up. I'm not waking up. You wake him up. Everyone's scared to wake him up. So finally, when he got woken up, he, he still didn't believe that that was the invasion, but it was too little too late. Even if they had woke him up, it wouldn't have mattered. And because we took Normandy, we saved so many lives from both sides and around the world. Had we not, most historians say we wouldn't have lost the war. However, we would have had to invade from the south through either Italy or France, occupied countries, and faced them head on. And you wouldn't really gain any ground till you got to Paris anyway. And Paris is more north than it is south coming from that direction. We would have lost so many men. Our economy would have had to continue to crumble right there. We would have lost the manufacturing. We would have had to balloon this whole economy. Hundreds of thousands more lives lost, not just Americans, across the country. Europe, 
so many English lives and the Allies, all of these people, it would have been just insane. It would have really, really made things terrible. All those things had to happen and they did. Too close for comfort, but it did happen. And speaking of too close for comfort, here we are right now. This is what is too close to comfort for me. Look around. Look the fuck around. What do you see? Distribution issues across the board. For my friend that can't get ketchup at his restaurant, ran out of ketchup. To not being able to have lumber. Oh, there's a shortage on lumber. No, there's not. There's not a shortage on lumber. There's a distribution shortage. And because the federal government is trying to hit all of this, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. It's almost by design. We are getting way too close for this. Not just inflation, but just a complete collapse. Not just with fuel, with everything. There's shortages around the board. I'm visiting a guy at an automotive group in Mississippi. The fixed ops director, he goes, you know how bad it is? Belts? I said, how bad? He puts down the blinds and I'm looking like, what's that, a parking lot? He goes, no, that's where the stock's supposed to be. There's two cars on his lot. Go buy a car right now. See how that goes. You'd be lucky if you get sticker price MSRP. You're going to get raped. Pull your pants down. There's no cars. There's no gas. There's no ketchup. The soybean commodity is huge. I used to work in an industry where we had to follow that very close because it gets converted to the second most popular oil next to vegetable oil, soy oil from the soybean. And right now, because the federal government is trying to increase their renewable resource, blah, 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 they want a ton of this used cooking oil you get from regular oil to go towards their agenda. The farmers know this. They're holding back. So the soy, they're like, oh, yeah, we're running low. No, they're not. What they're doing is they're squeezing all the grape, the juice out of the grape, and they're raping us over the coals. And now you have, go Google soybean uh, spike. You'll see it's, it's huge. It's one of the most, it's a very traded commodity, but this is nuts. Whether it's ketchup or whatever, cars, we're being broken down from the inside out. This has to stop. This has to stop. We need to rise up, man. And I'm not talking about a civil war. I'm talking about these midterms. Two years needs to be a bloodbath. We need to get them out of the house. We need to lose Senate seats. We need to get these governorships back. We have to. It's getting too close for comfort. Whether that be D-Day, Tom Brady, ridiculous mayor election in New York, or this right now. And it's happening and it's not even being reported. We're talking about the insurrection. Insurrect these nuts. I'm scared. You should be too. You've been to the grocery lately? Why is everything so expensive? I don't know. Huh? Inflation, inflation is nothing to what is about to come. The shortages will continue, and they are by design, by our own country. This is the worst administration ever, period. It makes Obama's look rather mundane and middle of the road. And they just started. He just got in. We're not even halfway through the year. It's too close for comforts everywhere. Sometimes this podcast is, but I tell you what, we need to do our part and get your ass out there and vote. And even you liberal Democrats, I know you're not liking this. You don't have to vote Republican, but please don't vote these people back in because their ass has to go. Tom Hanks. 
lovable actor from Big, all the way to saving Ryan's privates. <laughs> he gets on there and starts talking about we need to make more racially charged movies. Tom, no, we don't. Because A, no one wants to see that. And B, it's all in your head. You woke cuck. You are white bitch of the week. Now I can't nominate you for white bitch of the year because that offense is the standard fare for what you guys do. It's not a fireable offense, really. It's just par for the course. But you get up there, you pander, you ridicule, and you cuck. Per usual. Tom Hanks, you're a white bitch of the week. And you sucked in Terminal, by the way. Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the Sports Antelope episode number 51. What's going on, Chief? Not much, War Hero. How you doing? Thank you for calling me that. You know, I kind of feel like that, even though I'm not a Chief nor a War Hero. I think I'm kind of nothing, but I appreciate that nonetheless. A lot for you to talk about today, particularly after uh, nobody acknowledged D-Day from, you know... uh, Nobody uh, from the White House, our current president, (laughs) did not acknowledge uh, one of the singular most... Of course, one of the most uh, – it's going to take everything in me not to have you go a whole hour, but uh, certainly this next 15 to 20 minutes is yours, and you have a lot of places you want to peg, so go ahead, pal. The floor is yours. So by now we've seen the news story where text messages between Donald Trump Jr. and his attorney have been leaked where he's using the N-word, now ending in A, not E-R, uh, with his $845-an-hour attorney. Uh, somewhat jokingly, but still, we, we've all heard that news story. No, we haven't. We haven't heard that news story. In fact, Wait, the news story Donald that's Trump where, you, you're right. You're right. I was I was setting you up and setting those folks up. You got me. You got, got I me. got you. What we did hear, though, is a news story where Hunter Biden was in that exact predicament. And by predicament, I mean something stupid he did of his own volition in the court. Uh, numerous text messages. And, and as far as we know, there there has been no denial of their veracity. So this appears to be genuine text messages between Hunter Biden and his attorney, some $850 an hour attorney. And, and in there, it, it's just it, it, it's the kind of banter that by the time you get to your 30s, you look back on and in your college days and go, Okay, I guess that was just, you know, how you act like a chucklehead in college. But when you're 52, 52, that's right. Hunter Biden, you know, the media portrays him as like this helpless, hapless, aimless young guy who's just, oh, he's just had it. He's 52. He's closer to being a senior citizen than he is being a senior in college by like 15 years. Okay, so let's stop with that. And, and let's let's just imagine for a second that if this was Donald Trump Jr. and there were text messages where he's calling his white $850 an hour attorney the N word, you know, in a playful way. So it's not like it's not really racist, but we've seen people canceled for a lot less. We've seen people lose their livelihoods for a lot less than than this sort of thing. And And, and beyond, you know, the the righteous indignation that, you know, a lot of conservatives have and are pointing out how horrible this is. 
I, to me, it just boils down more to how stupid can you be? How stupid can you be to put something like that in, in text message form to be archived for what the entire what, what could be the entire world to see? All right. In, in today's world of all these cyber attacks and cyber crime and hacking, you just need to assume that anything you text and send back and forth is, is part of the public domain. Even if you think you're sending it to one person who you can trust, just go ahead and assume this is part of the public record and it's going to end up on the front page of the New York Times. And, and again, this wasn't like we dug these up from 30 years ago. And, and it's like, oh, I never knew I was going to be in the public eye. I believe the reporting is these text messages are somewhere between one to two years old. So his dad was in the thick of running for president. And this is how he's corresponding and interacting. And, and, and there's really... I mean, you know, tweets about like, well, I just want to get my, you know, um, oh, I just want to get my penis conditioned. And and, and you're just like, is, is this really how a 52 year old talks? I mean, is this is this really how we're going to behave? And when people want to say, well, why does it matter what, you know, the president's kid does? It just matters what the president does. Oh, interesting. There seemed to be an entirely different standard when, you know, Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with some Russian who may or may not have been connected to the KGB that he was likely unaware of that connection. And it was literally a meeting and there was never any follow-up. Uh, and the topic of the meeting was something fairly anodyne, uh, I don't know, ad adoption policy or something like that. And it was before his father was even sworn in. He had to go sit before Congress and, and a Senate committee for 10 hours of deposition. So again, I, I just ask you, what if the tables were turned? And, and of course, you know, we don't, we're not getting the 15,000 word op-eds from the New York Times talking about how Hunter Biden should, you know, be cast off into oblivion and exiled to the island of Elba with Napoleon's corpse. No, we're, we're not going to get that. But, you know, we'll be sure to get a 5,000 word screed from a New York Times op-ed writer about how American flags, uh, she, she finds them deeply uh, upsetting and and she invents a new word called an explicative when she means expletive but that's okay she writes for the new york times and that's the gold explicative. standard of Is that an explicative advert? Well, you know, it, something. it's an uneducated idiot's way of saying expletive who writes for the new york times so way to go there new york times way to go hunter biden just continuing to prove that you are a loser you are just such a piece of garbage and trash and you've been cashing in on daddy's name and there's really nothing useful you have contributed while here on planet earth, period, period, Joe Biden, double period. Moving on. COVID vaccine for kids, right? We, we, we've got the public health establishment telling us, oh, it's only going to be safe once everybody is vaccinated, once every single breathing human being is vaccinated. That's, that's when we'll be safe. Okay. Interestingly, though, in Israel, you know, Israel is one of the countries who really got aggressive. They, they handled the messaging from a really correct way. Uh, they didn't fumble it around. They didn't have one political group claiming that, oh, you know, that Donald Trump, I don't know if I would trust those. And then as soon as he was out of power, tried to do a 180 and say, oh, everybody should get vaccinated. They didn't do any of that mess. They had really good messaging. And they've gotten to the point where I believe it's about 70 to 80 percent of their population over the age of 16 has been vaccinated. In the last two days, according to worldometers, 
they have not had any new COVID cases. So they didn't have any new cases on the 8th. And as of right now, they have not reported any new cases for June 9th when we're recording this. And, and the day before, they had 14 cases in a country of 10 million. And their death numbers are now in the low single digits. In other words, I think it's lending a lot of evidence to the vaccines are effective. Okay, there's, there's not really many people who are saying they aren't effective. There are some people saying where there might be some, some risks and some concerns about taking them. And does that outweigh the risk and concern of actually contracting COVID depending on the age cohort you're in? But let's just go ahead and grant that they're effective. They're effective for adults. So we've got a good situation where we see everybody over 16 effectively is vaccinated in Israel. And the cases are pretty much going away. Well, now the Jerusalem Post, they had an op-ed from a, uh, some medical professionals that are asking the Israeli health uh, officials to reconsider this idea that all kids should be vaccinated. And they're kind of making the point that, look, we've done some serology tests and something like 25 to 30 percent of the population under the age of 16 already has antibodies. And caseloads are essentially non-existent. You're talking about in a country of 10 million having less than 10 to 20 new cases a day. That's that's statistically equal to zero. So should you go through the risk of having kids take these vaccines? And, and they have seen in some teenage groups, especially among males, a slightly higher incidence of uh, inflammation in the heart. And, and I don't believe they've officially documented any deaths, but, but it's one of these, it's concerning, something like between one in 3,000 to one in 6,000, and it seems to be more pronounced in males. Okay, well, if that risk exists, I don't think it's unfair to ask the question, should we be rushing to give every child in the world this vaccine? And so I find it interesting. Israel is really a, a good place to look. Um, and what I think you're seeing is, look, once your population over the age of 20 is either fully vaccinated or highly vaccinated and or the cases have run through, you just really don't have to worry about people younger than 16 being being a significant pool of spread and reservoir for the disease to continue to run rampant. You'll still have cases, but it's definitely not going to be running rampant and overwhelming hospital systems. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Israel pumps the brakes on uh, you know, certifying the various vaccines for use in people, especially children, you know, really that under the age of 12 cohort. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and it'll be interesting to see if they continue to have very low, low caseloads uh, since they've had achieved such a high rate of vaccination in older people. Perfect. Interesting news there. No, it's a great point there. Great news there. Uh, I do want to kind of chime in on a couple of things, but I feel as though I'm looking at the next thing on your bullet. We're looking to keep you around 15 to 20 here as you wanted. Mayor's race in McAllen, Texas. Boy, this so is a very interesting topic right now that nobody really knows about. Why don't you enlighten us on what's going on here? McAllen, Texas is your prototypical border town. I've actually been to McAllen, Texas on a couple of occasions. So um, have I. <laughs> for some work-related things. Uh, interestingly, there's well, a lot of well, new stuff now, there. I was doing work. I was in medical sales, bro. I was down there in Brown, uh, Browns, Brownsville. Brownsville. Right. It's yeah, that, that whole there. area. So it is. I mean, it is a border town. And when I say border, it's I mean, like you blocks. can look and see, you can look and see the, the wall. It's one of the areas where there's a wall that's been existing for quite some time. 
interestingly, when I went down there slightly before the pandemic, in fact, the August before, so August of 2019, yeah, I think it was a lot of new construction. Brownsville. Yeah, Brownsville is a little trashier than McAllen, but yeah, but not by much. But anyway, McAllen's this you know decent sized border city in South Texas, but there's a fair amount of money down there, and in, in, in especially one of the things we were told by some of our local council um, who we were uh, spending time with as we were dealing with a mediation down there. Um, a lot of wealthy Mexicans come across the border and like to do shopping in McAllen. So there's actually a lot of new stores that have been, you know, popped up and new housing developments. It's, it was, I was surprised by the newness of things down there. It didn't seem like your typical kind of El Paso trashy border town. Uh, it was, I was surprised. So anyway, you got McAllen, Texas, part of the whole Rio Grande Valley that did, it was one of the areas of the country that in 2020 went more for Trump than it did in 2016. I, I don't think he won counties, but he closed the gap significantly. Uh, and in fact, on a side note, as more and more data comes out about the 2020 election, what we're seeing is Trump uh, lost his lost in the white share of the vote. You know, the, the whole the whole message is, oh, Trump, you know, he only ran up numbers with white people. And, and that was the only reason he won 2016. But, oh, you can't rely on white people because they're a shrinking percentage of the population. OK, well, he actually did better among Hispanics and blacks than most recent Republicans did. So how does this tie into the McAllen, Texas gov- uh, mayor's race? So the mayor's race in McAllen, Texas is nonpartisan, which means they, they, you do not have to declare your party affiliation on the ballot. However, the guy running very openly as a Republican, he made it very clear he was a conservative Republican. He was about business. He was about law and order. He was about all the kind of things you would think of a Republican being about. He won. And by the way, let me just throw a little demographic thing out there. 85% of that town is Hispanic. Now, do I think this means, oh, uh, slam dunk, every Republican? No, it's, it's not a slam dunk, but it's an interesting indicator. It, and and it, it could be the start of a confirmation of a belief that Republicans and conservatives have had for a long time, which is, you know, Hispanics in America should be a more natural target for the Republican Party in terms of getting them to join up, you know, high focus on family values, more socially conservative than other uh, particular. Please start saying like the conservative movement instead of the Republican Party. Right. Fine. It's long been believed that Hispanics would be right for bringing them into the conservative movement because of their uh, you know, higher importance placed on family and socially, they're, they're not socially about, they're conservative not about abortion, values. Bro. They're, they're not, not about, about you know, not about abortion and, and uh, you know, hard work ethic, you know, willing to do the jobs that a lot of other Americans won't do, right? That's a line we've heard. And, and so I'm sure they're not looking forward to paying taxes. And I, I have a feeling if you polled in Hispanic communities, the ideas of defund the police and, you know, this, this, ultra woke nonsense or you know men can become women and women can be i just don't think that stuff flies so it will be interesting to see as the democrat party and the left continues lurching further and further to the left if republicans and and conservatives writ large can take advantage of that and and kind of realize this dream that look we we should not uh, we we should be you know big Ten party and we think uh, hispanic americans are you know, from from a sort of social and demographic viewpoint, would more naturally fall into a conservative uh, message if you can just get it out there and present it the right way. Uh, so, is this a harbinger of things to come? Possibly. Is it a flash in the pan? Could be that too. But but 
we will see in 2022. Uh, I, I know the Republican Party of Texas is going to put a lot of effort into flipping some of those seats in southern Texas. They should. I mean, that's it's <laughs> about right. Um, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I, there are some things that I really want to drag on with you. Uh, one thing I do want to bring in real quick uh, before we go, the Philadelphia Eagles, Tom. Yes. Interesting me enough. Bowl. Of course. Uh, but uh, these guys right now are at eight and a half. How do you feel about that in the 17-game season? Oh, I'm, I'm taking that. In fact, I might, I might put a unit down on that. On the on the over? On the over. Oh wow. This will be They're they're playing in the NFC East. I mean you could accidentally win five games in that division. I mean we've got the and, Washington and, football team, they're dominant. We have the Cowboys who are unbelievable and the Giants who are just right. I mean, right. That's what I mean. You could accidentally win four or five games in that division alone. Then you're telling me we just gotta pick up a few and we should have a pretty weak schedule this coming year. So last nice place schedule. This is nice. I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, seven, it's, I'm look, it's seven and a half. Seven and a half. And there, I, then I'm putting three units down. Three units down. Tommy Bench, three units coming in on his home team. This will lead to good conversation as the actual season. There will be a lot of future bets being made. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Good. You should be, man. Anyway, thanks for joining the Sports Antelope here, pal. A lot of great insight here politically. Uh, man. I just, uh, <laughs> I kind of want to make a sh- one of your family members, but I won't do that. But anyway, brother, I will tell you what, we'll have you on next week. Can't wait for you to have you on. Thanks for jumping on, Tommy Bench. All right, out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 52, Too Close for Cover. Be sure and follow us on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. Follow me, at Danny Belts, Danny underscore Belts. Rate, subscribe, and review, and tell a brother about us. Thanks to Tommy Bench for coming on the show. Coach O, nice intro. We look forward to having Bro Exotic back next week. I believe the Pope, the woke Pope, is due for an encore. (laughs) The way this goes, let's hope. Let's hope Jesus makes an encore pretty soon. I'm not sure I'm going up, but man, who could use some change around here? Be sure and tune in next week. Keep it real, Anadotians. I'm outspoken. My language is broken into a slang, but it's just the dialect that I select when I hang. I play it cool. Because fooling is all that I'm about. Just fooling with the girlies. Yes, they're busting it out.